Welcome to Pauli Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. Proudly representing his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Pauli Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. I'm definitely far from shy. We're going to be ranting about a lot of stuff. Not just about boxing, I'm opinionated on life in general, many sports topics and politics. Pauli doesn't hold back. The two time world champion, Pauli the Magic Man. Holy Malanaji, Peter Cause from Brooklyn to the world. We're back. Boom. Another episode. You know, you're waiting for this episode. You guys, are, you guys are getting antsy waiting for these new episodes. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that you guys are excited to listen to us. Yeah, our cool. rants, our stories, our opinions. I'm glad you guys go easy on us. I got to be honest, you know. Uh, a lot of my opinions on Twitter don't get really appreciated. I get a lot of hate on them. But, you know, we discuss them here freely on, our bro- on Brooklyn to the world. From Brooklyn to the world. Whatever we're calling the show, you know, uh, <laughs> Brooklyn to the I gotta world. say, uh, people love it. People love it, and they're, and they're nice about it. You know, even they when are. we express ourselves, they're nice about it. Maybe it's the delivery. You know, maybe on Twitter the delivery just doesn't come out right, and people hate. But when I, the delivery is here on the podcast, it's terrific. People love it. I love. Glad we're giving you guys laughs. I'm glad we're uh, giving you guys dropping some knowledge on you guys. We're gonna continue to drop some knowledge on you guys. Speaking of knowledge, I almost didn't make it here today. You know, last week I was talking about the subway stations. And, you know, how there's a problem with the MTA all the time. And so today, you know, I park my car in Brooklyn like normal. I uh, I go to take the subway, and there's no Manhattan-bound trains again in my neighborhood. So what do I got to do? I said, enough of this. Enough of this. That's it. You know, I'm not going to go all the way to Coney Island and come back to the city and then get here late. So instead, what do I do? What I do is, you know what? I'm just going to take my car and drive into the city today. So that's what I decided to do. I come in and drive to the city, sit in, there tra- sit in that traffic, which is what you try to avoid when you're on there and you use the MTA. But the MTA decided they weren't going to have Manhattan-bound trains at a certain time, which totally goes against the grain. That doesn't what's the point? That doesn't having the subway system. Either, right? Yeah, what's the point of having the subway system if you have no Manhattan-bound trains and you got to go the opposite way, just turn back around and pick up another train? I don't get it. For, any, for those of you that live in New York City, you know exactly what I'm, what I'm saying. Uh, I'm sure you, you've, you've all experienced all these MTA situations. So that leads me to the problem of today, of why I, didn't all, I almost didn't make it. I'm driving. I'm driving up 6th Avenue. Driving up 6th Avenue to the studio. Yo, I'm in the middle lane, bro. I'm in the middle lane. This cabbie comes from my left. He wants to pull over to the right lane. So I'm in the middle lane already, so you already shouldn't be pulling over to the... Let you're... me guess, he wants to make a right turn. No, no, he didn't want to make a turn. There was a person on the right sidewalk who wanted to get a cab, was handling a cab. This guy's on my left, so you shouldn't be... You shouldn't even be looking anywhere near the right side of the street because, you know, 6th Avenue was, what, about four lanes? Four or five lanes? Yo, this guy cuts me off and then cuts off everybody else to get to the... He's lucky he didn't run nobody off the road. He's lucky he didn't hit me. He's lucky... I'm honking like crazy. He doesn't end up getting the person because the person, you know, by the time he was able to get to the right side, you know, the person jumped into another cab. So what do I do? Naturally, I'm, I'm a little aggravated. My balls are twisted now. This cabbie's almost ran me off the road, almost killed me, almost almost put a dent in my Mercedes. So what am I going to do? Take a half full bottle of uh, Perrier water that I have. <laughs> Slow down. Wait for him to catch up to me. I know this trick. <laughs> Which me and Peter Carson use this trick a lot. Open my window, and as as he comes by me, I fling it at him. I fling it right at his car. Doof! Right off his window. And he looks at me like I'm wrong. Yeah, he looks wrong. at me like, what the, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And I'm cursing at him. I got a little bit of a problem at times at Road Rage. I've had a little bit of a problem. Uh, for those of you that know me, uh, you know we won't get into it. Maybe some other day we'll get into the, my road rage incidents. But it was a little bit of road rage today uh, through the... 
rightfully so. I think most of you would agree here. You know, if that guy would have ran me off the road, I wouldn't be here talking to you wonderful people right now. God only knows what would have happened. You know, the least of my problems would have been my car. I could have even got hurt, you know? So, New York City, please, control the cabbies. Can we control these cabbies? Please. Like, I know they got to make a living, but come on. And, and they know how to drive. If you're in a car all day long, you know how to drive, dude. And you're like, it's, it, there's no excuse. Yo, they choose not to know how to drive. For me, that's what it is. I think it's they're in their cars for so long, all day long, all night long, that they stop caring about traffic rules and regulations. They just do what they want. Like, I think when you live in your car like that and you're driving all day long, you, you just go into, like, your own zone. I mean, I what else can they be excused? I mean, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think know? between me, you, and your Uncle Dario, I think we could get a little bit of control on New York City cabs. Yeah, well, you know, the problem is only three of us to get around, you know, and, that's, and that's the problem, you know. I and you had your own experiences with cabbies, dude. You know, it's I don't, like, uh, hate is a strong word, right? Hate, hate is a strong hate word. Is, I ahead. hate, hate cab drivers and you know what you hate to put them all in one generic place right. you know but it's but most they're cab all, drivers they're, they're you know like we, I'm sure there's guys if anybody out there's a New York City cab driver I'm sure there's some of you that are really nice but we're yet to see it that's all I'm saying listen I, I, I hate to I hate to start the story the same way but most of my stories start this way I was out drinking Right, it's it's, it's never, not many different starts to my stories, but it was New Year's Eve. I'm sitting there having a great time. It was crowbar was here. Oh, right I remember door. this story. This right is New Year's door. 2006. <laughs> Go way back. New Year's Eve, end of 05, start of 06. Go ahead. We got crowbar right next door. We knew the owners. We knew the bouncers. We knew everybody. And Scores West Side was right there next door. So I'm like bouncing back and forth from crowbar. To score, so I'm hanging out at the same table as Robin Givens. She was already like older. She was with the model uh, Marcus Schecken, Schickenberg, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Good looking bastard. He's he was hanging out with her, and I'm like, man, I'm having a great time. I see some neighborhood friends. They have Cristal. I'm like, wow, this is a great night. I w- I didn't make it to this night, folks. I was training. He I was, was training, training for a fight. I actually <clears throat> was training for Donald Camarena right. for the next month. Exactly. So, so I'm out. out. I didn't come out on this particular meeting. I was by myself, but happened to know people, so it ended up being a fun night. I was uh, supposed to meet up with a chick, but she was working crowbar. She was doing like makeup and stuff. I'm like, I'm not spending my New Year's, you know, watching you do makeup. So I'm gonna go to scores. I end up having a blast. I get hammered. Now <laughs> what else is no? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a surprise. So I want to go home now. It's five in the morning. The cabs. You know, they, they have this little trickery to them. You know, if their lights are on, they don't have to take you. But if their lights are off, if they go and you actually get in the cab, they can't kick you out of the cab. So the they're on duty, or lights meaning on duty or off duty. Right. Lights. So this guy goes to me, Where are you going? And this is like the fourth cab now, and I'm standing there for a good, good half and it's, hour. And it's it's New Year's Eve, folks. Yeah, it's, it's cold out it's there. It's cold. I got a blazer, suit jacket with a V-neck T-shirt on. I'm I'm like, all right, you know, I want to get home already. You know, where are you going? Where are you going? Brooklyn, Brooklyn. No, I'm not going to Brooklyn. Three, four of them go by. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the next one's gonna get it. The problem with the cabbies is, for those of you who don't know, they don't like to leave Manhattan. They don't want to go into the other boroughs because all the work is in Manhattan. So if you tell them you're going to Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, they they don't want to take you. So go ahead, Pete. And they all have this little click, you know. So the next one comes and he stops. The idiot forgot to lock his door. So I open the back door and I get in the car. Once you're in the car, the cabbie has to take you where you want to go. It's it's a law. So I close the door and he goes, where are you going? I said, Brooklyn. 
He goes, I'm not going to Brooklyn. I said, too bad for you, buddy. Yeah, you are now. He goes, he goes, no, no, I no go to Brooklyn. I said, you're going to Brooklyn, my man. I said, call the cops. He says, no, no. He says, $40, $40. I said, I'm going to pay you whatever that meter says, and you're going <laughs> to like it. So he goes, oh, $40. I said, yeah, all right, $40. Just Keep just, in mind, this is 10 years ago. Just start driving. Yeah, it used to cost me 20 bucks. So I said, just start driving. We'll figure it out when we get there. So he starts on purpose now, slowing down at every yellow light and trying to take his time. He's trying to make the meter go up as much as possible. <laughs> so I'm getting more aggravated. And again, I'm whacked at this point. <laughs> I must have had like four bottles of champagne. <laughs> Crystal, mind you. What a Peter's typical score is nice. Yeah. So now I'm getting aggravated. I said, my man, I'm telling you, if you stop at a yellow light again, I'm going to bash this glass, which I don't realize is bulletproof glass at the time. I'm not bashing anything. I could have been Mike Tyson. It's not bashing. So I'm like, I'm going to bash this glass and I'm going to beat the life out of you. What am I doing? I'm not doing it. I said, just drive. He drives the next light. Of course, he's slow. It gets red. I start punching the glass. Boom, boom. He opens the doors and lo unlocks them to let me out. <laughs> I said, now you're not getting nothing. How you like them apples? I get out. I go jump in a cab uh, the next block. He must have seen from his rear view. He goes, he goes, what happened with the other cab? I said, what are you writing a book? Drive the car. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, he goes, I know drive. I know drive. I said, all right. I get out. Now, the original guy gets out of his car like he's going to come at me. I don't, know, I, I don't know if he thought I was going to get scared. So I put my hands up. He, like, puts his hands by his face and leaves his whole body open. So I just hit him with a body shot. <laughs> he said, you, a you, body shot of the street. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't expect that, you know. You know the Seth. We got to welcome back Seth, by the way. Hey, he wasn't with us yeah, last week. <laughs> that was in Disney World. Do you know, yeah, do you know the, the rapper Jadakiss? Yes, I do. You know, like, the... <coughs> That's that's what it sounded like when I hit this guy in his rib. <laughs> he just made a Jada kiss sound, you know. So I'm like, you know, this guy doesn't want anymore. I'm not the type of guy to keep pounding on somebody. You know, I, I could see that he wanted nothing to do with it. So I'm like, let me get out of here. I start jogging away because by like, this point he's walking distance to the house. He had almost five, made it home five blocks from my house. And of course, I'm walking. I'm jogging past the precinct almost. <laughs> they get in their cabs and speed ahead. And they pull over these cops. Oh, jeez. The cops come walking to me. I'm out of breath. I'm hammered. I got a suit on. And the cop's <laughs> like, can I speak to you? I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. What's up? <laughs> like, well, yo, what's going on? I said, listen, man, the guy tried to charge me double. I whip out a knot of cash. I had $2,000 on me. I said, officer, it's not about the money. Clearly, I have the money. I said, the guy tried to charge me double. I'm not going to pay double. And he's like, oh, he said you hit him. I said, I didn't hit anybody. What are you talking about? And it went on and on. That's you know, that's my story with cabs. I don't I don't like them. But he got arrested. I got arrested. He left out and that then, detail. And then the I, guy got, I got, him, so got arrested. <laughs> he goes, I got to take you in. The guy said you hit him. So now the, the best part is I'm laughing about the whole thing. Because I'm hammered. He's so whack. He doesn't realize what's going on. <laughs> I'm in the precinct. But I'm, I'm four blocks from my house. And you know, Polly always had my keys to my house, like a backup set. My mother's in Atlantic City. Oh, you had your keys, too. Yeah, I had my I had keys. keys yeah. They make you take your, your personal belongings. Someone has to come get them. I said, officer, my mother's in uh, Atlantic City. What do you want me to do? 
well, somebody's got to come get your belongings. You have nineteen, you have nineteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars. We're not holding. We're not responsible. I said, let me call my best friend. I'm calling him. He's not answering. And that's the thing. Back at that time, there was there was no voicemail. There was no voicemail. There was the actual answering machine. So I got the phone near my bed. I got the phone near my bed, and it's phone. The phone is ringing, and I remember the the call ID. So you look at the call ID, and it says something about. Brooklyn uh, County Penitentiary <laughs> Brooklyn County Something like Something stupid That I'm like I, I, In my mind I'm half asleep So I'm thinking It's it's telemarketers Or something So I'm like Screw this I'm not answering This phone call You know And I'm like I try to roll over And then It goes to my Voicemail Which is not the voicemail It's the answer machine So you hear it out loud The message And me and Pete Have this uh, inside joke Where we call each other Lloyd sometimes We call each other Joe <laughs> And so I hear Lloyd Lloyd, you got to answer. From Dumb and Dumber. I call him yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. Lloyd. I'm like, Lloyd, pick up. Yeah, pick up. You got to answer. You got to answer the phone right now. I'm in Galera. And Galera, for those of you who don't know, is Americanized version of the word Galera, which in Italian <laughs> means jail. So, so he would just Americanize it and take out the A. So he goes, I'm in Galera right now. You got to answer the phone. You got to pick up. I'm in Galera. You got to come get me. So I'm like, what? What? So I answer the phone. It's like 8 a.m., dude. I didn't go out on New Year's Eve. To go through tra- this You're Am training Am I kidding myself <laughs> You know what I mean Like I went to sleep Early on New Year's Eve I'm training for a fight And I, I gotta wake up At 8am for this So I pick up the phone And I'm like What's going on dude He's like yeah You gotta pick up my stuff And like he's not really In a panicky mood He's so whacked at this point That he doesn't realize Like like he's actually Been arrested You know Like he's still joking around Like yeah They, they told me I told them I was just gonna Keep my stuff on me But they told me Nah you gotta You gotta have somebody Come pick it up I had to take my shoes off So I had to go get him I had to go over there To the precinct So I gotta get up Early New Year's Day Instead of sleeping And just resting And go to the precinct In downtown Brooklyn Which is where Peter's Originally from So I go to downtown Brooklyn I get to the precinct And I hear him yelling He's still yelling In the pre- in, in, in his cell I still hear the yelling But he's like joking around he's, he's he's yelling at me Like joking And I'm like Dude this kid's Dead serious right now Like he Like he thinks Like this is a game Like he's so He's still so drunk He thinks like This is one big joke You know So I look at all the keys. They give me all the stuff, and I say, "Can I go see him?" And they're like, "No, you can't go see him." Obviously, you know, they they, they got to keep him over there on, on his own. So I'm like, "I can't go see him." So they, the the other officer comes and brings me his stuff. He's got like, "What'd you have? A knot of money? Yeah. You had uh, your keys, mm-hmm. and you had it." And I'm like, "You know what?" I was like, "Officer, I can't take his house and keys." My cell phone. Yeah, and his cell phone. I was like, "I'll take everything, but I can't take his house keys. You're gonna release him later, and he's not gonna be able to get in his house. So like, you got to leave his house keys there." So he goes <laughs> he goes back and he tells him and I hear some yelling again back and forth. I don't know what Peter was yelling about. He's yelling at the officer. So the officer comes back dead and he's serious. got this dead serious look on his face because he doesn't know the relationship me and Peter have. You know, we're best friends or whatnot. So he thinks like Peter's legitimately mad at me because Peter I guess yelled at him. And Peter goes, the guy goes, He said, You better take his keys. I said and I'm looking at him confused Like cause I just told him Like you gotta hold his keys Cause he's gotta get in his house So I'm looking at him confused And he's handing me the keys Really slowly And as he's handing them to me He goes And that he's gonna hit you With a slap <laughs> I, was like, I was like So apparently Peter told the officer He better take my keys Or I'm gonna hit him with a slap take my keys Or else I'm gonna hit him With a slap So <laughs> Like a long story short I didn't take the keys Cause there was no way I was driving back downtown To get To get this kid's keys again To get in his house Later in the day When they let him out So that's Peter's wait, uh, no, wait. And, then, story. and then the, the the cop comes over to me. I'm like shadow boxing because I couldn't fall asleep. I'm shadow boxing in the in the cell. Right? Yeah, they're looking at him like he's a lunatic. Yeah. He's yelling. He's shadow the boxing co- in his cell. Set, the cop comes up to me. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, can you have a seat for a second? I said, 
dead serious too. Like so you're I'm, trying to be dead serious with this kid. He's whacked out of his mind, so and you're wait. trying to be dead serious with him. How how is this possible, dude? So I'm looking at the cop. I'm like, on the bench right here. He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm like, wow. Well, you, you seem serious. <laughs> so he pulls up this folding chair right right in front of the key, the the cell, literally bars. And I'm like, what's up? He goes. I'm detective whatever and he's like with the intelligence unit I'm with the intelligence unit I'm like you must be really smart (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like what is it he goes do you have anything you want to tell me I'm like about what (laughs) I'm like are you serious dude and he's like well you know about what what occurred tonight I said I got into an argument about a $40 cab ride dude you're not cracking the case here Columbo like I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I think they thought I was like a drug dealer because I had two grand. It's New Year's Eve, bro. I was at a strip club with naked, naked scores. Uh, uh, hello, hello. Very expensive. Thank God I saw friends there that had bottles, or else that two thousand would have been zero. <laughs> I, w- I would have really been robbing the cab, yeah, you know. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, so That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Long, make a long story short, though. We didn't make it. We didn't make it short enough. But <laughs> make a long story short. What'd you end up getting? Community service. Community service. And anger, anger management. management. Anger management. Peter, go to anger management. You gotta see these anger management oh, classes. God. <laughs> the that teacher, was... the guy running the anger management class, was always high on pills. Yeah, he high was on a, a rehabilitating dope fiend himself. Awesome. And they had all crackheads in the in the class. Peter would take pictures and send them to me. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> the class. best the, they had the, the guy was like the head guy was like the supervisor of us. And he'd be like, today we're gonna read about anger. Who would like to read? And the the only heroin addict in the group was like, oh, I'll read. So we're like, all right, Eddie, you read. And he's like, what is anger? Anger is a feeling that... <laughs> Literally, it, you nudge, Eddie. You you just fell asleep. Oh oh oh! I'm sorry. I, I didn't get much sleep last night. We know, buddy. We know all about New York City rehabilitation, <laughs> anger management. <laughs> yeah, I know. You get convicted of an anger of, of a of a violent crime. You got anger management. Yeah, they're really rehabilitating you. I know. Get out of here. Get out of here. New York City. Seriously. You're more pissed after that. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> they were testing my anger. They weren't helping it. <laughs> you remember my dad had my dad had sleep apnea. We watched the Yankees. I'm like, oh, Jeter's having a good game. He's like, yeah, Derek Jeter's having a. <laughs> yeah, but at least he had sleep apnea. At least it was sleep apnea. <laughs> Jesus. Remember so, 29th Street? <laughs> you know, you got the gift, kid. <laughs> and he goes, how long was I out? Four weeks. <laughs> uh, 29th Street, another classic movie, man. Anybody hasn't seen it, you got to go check it out. 29th Street, classic New York movie. Who's in that uh, movie? I don't know that movie. Uh, oh, you got to be Danny kidding me. Aiello. 29th Street, Danny Aiello. Oh. Based on a true story about the first awesome. ever New York lottery winner. Everybody yes. out there, we're not movie critics over here, but check out 29th Street. It's a classic. Pretty funny movie. It's classic. Well, we should do some movie reviews on the show. Well, we should, oh, but yeah. then again, we're not exactly Cisco and Ebert either. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be responsible for people not having my taste in movies. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'll tell you a movie's great, even if Cisco and Ebert tell you it's not good, and you might like it, you might not like it. But don't come back and That's tell me fact. that it, the movie sucked. Did you guys see Dumb and Dumb? Twenty Nine Tree is good. Yes. Dumb and Dumber Two. You know, it, it, I felt like it followed the same flight pattern as the first movie, and and that kind of comedy's kind of gone already. And it, and it, I was happy to see them do another one, but at the same time, you know, it copied too much off. It bit too much off the first one. Like they they both have to go cross country again, and they're both 
I'm going about a girl only this time it's the daughter and you know somebody's trying to kill them and same thing yeah it's the same thing really it's the same flight I pattern and that's why that's why I wasn't crazy about it and I wanted to yeah. I, won't blow the, yeah. I won't blow the movie for you but it's uh, pretty much the same kind of flight pattern just a different story you know Got it, but All right. but we're we're uh, we'll do some movie reviews at some other point in time. But those are our New York City cabbie stories. Seriously, anybody out there that's a New York City cabbie, or if you know a New York City cabbie out there, tell them to get their act together. <laughs> what a, you know, get get your head screwed on right. You know what I mean? What did uh? What did, uh hit you with another body shot. What did uh, What did the guy in casino tell him when uh, when they, when they thought he was collected and not uh, given or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> what, what he said, "Oh, you thought I was laying? <laughs> no, no, I'm taken." No. What did uh, What did his friend say? What did Joe Pesci's buddy say? And he goes, "Watch yourself or something." <laughs> what he say? <laughs> smarten up. Smarten up. That's what it is. Tell him to smarten up. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> All I remember is uh, Pesci doing this with Sharon Stone's head. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, we can't forget that either. <laughs> Slide over. Smarten up out there, New York City cabbie. Smarten up, please. Slide over. Smart the veal, up. you know, we get it real thin. You can pound that shit for days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's our rants to start out the show. You're listening to former two-time world champion Paulie Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Introducing Paulie. Paulie Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. Malinaji. This is Paulie Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. PBC was past weekend. We had another PBC. Wow. PBC on NBC. You down with OPC. Well, with PBC, not OPP. We got a little confused. <laughs> down with PBC. You know us for sure. We're always down with PBC. Um, great sold-out crowd at Barclays Center. Now, it was a sold-out crowd at Barclays Center, but you gotta, we got to give you the breakdown. They do remove a lot of the seats for the PBC setup. So the remaining seats at Barclays that were not removed were sold out. It was a terrific show. I think it looked great on TV because the crowd was really into it and... Uh, you know, it looked like a full arena, which it was for the amount of seats they had in there at the time. Um, so, you know, two close fights, two fights where a lot of people cannot agree on the winner. Uh, usually that's, you know, makes for a, a lot of discussion, a lot of talk, and uh, people. Possible rematches. Possible rematches, and a lot of opinions, a lot of opinions. You know, Peter, people uh, were mad at Peter Quillen going into this fight because he had given up the title, and, you know, he was getting a shot at Andy Lee, even though he'd given up the title. But, guys. You cannot, as a fighter, fight the politics of the sport. You know what I mean? Like, Peter Quillen belongs to a team that wasn't going to do business with Rock Nation when they won the purse bid. I mean, it's very It's, it's not very the fighter's simple. job. It's not the fighter's job to deal with the politics. So, you know, as a loyalty to his own team, Peter vacated the title. And his reward was to get a shot at the title once Andy Lee won it. It could have been Karabov. It could have been Andy Lee. You know, he was going to get the t- a shot at that title. Andy Lee pulled off the upset, <clears throat> coming off two upsets in a row. Andy Lee's a pretty amazing dude. He he actually won no rounds in his last two fights prior going in, yet was two and zero with two knockouts. Rescued, defeat, rescue took victory from the jaws of defeat, as they say, uh, in those two fights with uh, with big right hooks, and he almost did it again. Uh, this past weekend, although he wasn't losing every round, for sure, it was a very competitive fight. Uh, he clipped Peter Quillen with a right hook midway through the fight and actually dropped him as well. First knockdown of Peter Quillen's career. Uh, but, you know, back and forth fight. At, at times it was tactical. At times it was uh, exchanges. You know, it was it got 
a lot of highs and lows in the fight, right? I mean, you know, PD started out, it looked like he was going to stop Andy. I think if PD gets that knockout, maybe, I mean, that knockdown made with like a minute left in the first round, the fight's over because Andy got up, hurt, uh, and he could have been finished off right there. All right, but you're the, you're the fighter on this little dais here, but <clears throat> obviously we watched uh, him hurt Andy. Why does PD go from that to like the evil look in his eye to where he's like, bro, if you hit me, I swear to God, I sw- don't. Don't try to hit me, bro. I'll hit you back. And he has, like, those eyes, like, and he's, like, posing. And he's like, what? If you try to hit me, I'll punch you back, bro. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing about Petey. He kind of slows down. Stops jabbing. Yeah, stops jabbing. And it's not the first time, you know, if it was the first time I'd seen him do that, I'd say, you know what, maybe it's against a southpaw. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to jab at southpaws. But Petey has had this... This bad habit where, as he's as the fight wears on, he stops jabbing, and uh, he stopped jabbing at Andy. Um, anytime he did come off his jab, I think he set up some nice punches. He set up some nice shots, right. but um, you know, he stopped jabbing and allowed Andy to kind of get into his own rhythm and uh, win a lot of rounds. And like I told you after the fight, I was yelling it from from the, my seats, which thanks to you and uh, Mister Heyman, I was sitting seventh row, which is amazing. Nice. Um, I was yelling, "Step to your Peter right!" Was with the celebrities, we're gonna get into that later. Yeah, I was. I was like, I was like yelling, "Step to your right!" You know, Andy Lee is a one-trick pony, right? I mean, he's he's much improved with his new trainer, Adam Booth. Yeah, Adam Booth. I, I, I gotta say, he looked. He, he looked definitely a lot looked a lot better, but he still bases his offense around somehow setting you up to land the right hook. However, it happens if it's luck, if it's a setup, whatever. He wants you to go down from that hook. You know that going in. Why are you moving to your left? That's his punch. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people have the, the whole the myth about you have to right. walk a certain way against southpaws. You have to move a certain way against southpaws. Well, it's kind of true, but at that time, it's kind of not true. You know, you have to kind of... Every every individual fight has its own evolution, you know? And right. uh, it's not necessarily always true that you got to move to your left against a southpaw and I think Petey maybe at times tried too hard and tried too much to do that because and Andy Lee's a special kind of southpaw in that for sure he's got to be I don't know you know somebody can maybe somebody out there knows better than me but for sure he looks like a natural right hander will fight southpaw right. for sure I mean so if you're going towards that side you're going towards this hook and he doesn't hasn't really shown a lot of power with his straight left hand or his overhand left he doesn't even like to use it much yeah. really so he's, kind of, he's, he's actually the kind of southpaw where you might be better off going the opposite way uh, from the textbook direction, you fight a southpaw, and uh, yeah, I would have liked to see that a little bit. But you know, in the end, you got a draw, you got a um, a controversial ending. I did think PD edged it though. At the end of the day, I did think PD edged it, but I'm not mad at the result. And here's why: PD didn't make weight for the fight, so by not making weight for the fight, what happens is if he would have won the fight, he would not have he would not have been able to take home the world title. Right. And if Andy would have lost. He doesn't get to keep the world title either just because Petey doesn't win it. The title becomes vacant. Right. So it would have been a shame because really they trained hard for the fight. And, you know, they put up a great fight, a uh, tactical fight. Um, for me, it was the best, best I've seen Andy Lee look. Uh, right. I've never seen Andy Lee look that good. I mean, I still don't think he won the fight, but he looked good. And I got to say, dare I say, as, as, as much as I respect the great Emmanuel Stewart, I think Adam Booth had Andy Lee looking the best he's ever looked. I um, agree. Doesn't mean he ended up winning, but for me, Andy Lee had a, a good rhythm to him, a nice little style to him. Um, and if there was going to be a result that wasn't going to hurt anybody, um, and being that Petey couldn't win the title anyway, and the title would have just right. been wasted and gone it, vacant, it yeah. you know what? 
Let Andy Lee keep that title. A and draw, would, he keep the title. And, and you know, wouldn't have been able to get a rematch, a possible yes. rematch. So you know what? Let Andy Lee keep that title. And <clears throat> and you know what? In some sort of justice, Andy Lee keeps that title. He can possibly have a rematch with PD. He can possibly fight other guys, like maybe a Danny Jacobs or maybe a Miguel Cotto right. or, or so on and so forth. Maybe he can go back to Ireland or England and have a nice defense at home against uh, you know one of the British one of the uh, British or Irish uh, uh, fighters, maybe even a, a homecoming against Matt Macklin or whatnot, you know, right, right. something, you know, he gets some options and that's always cool to do that, you yeah. know? And uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not totally mad at that result, you know? You know uh, what? And, at Andy Lee was really humble when they spoke to him. He was like, you know what? Being in Brooklyn in his hometown, he's mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't have been surprised if they gave it to him. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm not. I'm not unhappy with a draw. He's like, I gotta be honest with you. They, they, Brooklyn, you're not really. Even if you're from Brooklyn, they're not right. really looking out for you. <laughs> yeah. I gotta be honest. With you. I, mean, I, I fought Adrian Broner in Brooklyn. I thought I won the fight. It was a close fight. You know, uh, they gave it to Adrian. Petey now he fights uh, Andy Lee. It was a close fight. He didn't win the fight. He got a draw. Would have been nice if I got a draw that night. Because I would have kept my title too. Right. But hey, that's a different, different, different rant for a different day. Only mm-hmm. say. So let's move on to the main event. Hey, Andy Garcia. Did you guys notice that uh, uh, the second time Andy went down that he had his foot stepped on? Did you guys notice that? Yeah, yeah but it was kind of justice is served because he should have been knocked down twice in the first round. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the corner, the turnbuckle held him up at the bell. He almost, he almost got yeah. stopped. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they got, he got dropped again at the bell, but they didn't count it a knockdown. So I, I thought, I looked at that and I said, you know what? It wasn't a real knockdown the second time Andy got knocked down, but... He deserved another. He deserved to have been been called a knockdown at the end of the first round. I always say, I always say, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But if there's a few more seconds in the first round, he doesn't get out of that first yeah, round. One hundred percent true. And you guys were right about the jab. If he, if, yeah, if, uh, yeah. If Petey has jabbing. a tendency. Yeah, Petey has a tendency to stop jabbing at times. Uh, it's something he's got to work on. It's more of a mental thing because it's not a physical thing. He certainly knows how to jab and he does it well when he does when he uses it. Uh, quick update. Quick update. Go ahead. Champions League. Champions League. Juventus is up one. Yes. Who scored? Um, We're missing champions. Guys, for all us uh, soccer uh, in the UK, we call them Vidal. Fo- football fans. Oh, Vidal. Vidal should have had a score goal at, at the end of that first half. He missed. Oh, with that touch, yeah. Man. That's trip, big. That's a big. That's a, a little delay. We just get to get <laughs> random scoring updates because I am a little bit on the miserable side that I can't watch the second half of these Champions League matches. I was watching them uh, uh, in the first half uh, before coming here. I, I stopped at the local Applebee's. Oh. Send an email to CBS, bro. We get the TV yeah, we got to get some TVs in here, man. We got to be playing the podcast and watching the game, watching the second half. This is Champions League. This is this is legit, it's still real deal, high level zero, zero football. With, Atletico uh, and Real is zero zero. Yeah. All right, so everybody out there, I know you're gonna listen to this on Friday, but in the exact moment right now, you guys up one nil with a Vidal goal. That's big. That's huge, man. I'm I'm psyched. Serie A, come on, let's do it. Okay, back to the PBC. Garcia versus Peterson, main event. Some surprises there as well. Another close fight where people are torn as to which direction this fight goes. Now, for me, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to call it. I think you can make a legitimate case for both guys winning. Uh, I I felt Peterson edged it. Uh, a lot of people feel Garcia edged it. And I don't think you're wrong because I think both arguments really... I, I think both arguments really have a solid foundation, you know? Um... I understand the people that felt Garcia won. Hey, you know what? They felt Lamont Peterson didn't do enough early in the fight. And because of that, he gave away too many early rounds. And then uh, when he got started, it was just too little too late. I understand that. I get it. Now, for me, I'm going to give you my perspective on why I thought Lamont Peterson won. And again, it's just my perspective. Uh, I, I do uh, feel that the Garcia people that feel Garcia won have a, have a legitimate gripe as well. So, But here's my, my thing on, on Lamont Peterson. Lamont Peterson, for me, I give a lot of credit 
to a stat that you cannot call by the numbers. You cannot dictate this particular stat by the numbers. I know a lot of a lot of fans, mainly American fans, love their numbers. They love punch stats. They love percentages. They love you know, and that's a problem with American sports. It's too much based on people's numbers and not enough on what you're actually watching on the field or inside the ring or on the rink, on the court or they on the ice. Power whatever. punches. Yeah. So the particular stat I'm going to give you cannot be dictated by numbers. You just have to be able to watch what you watch what you're seeing and understand it. Now here's what I'm saying. At the beginning of the fight, Lamont Peterson used the ring as he chose. As he chose, he didn't engage a lot. He didn't engage a lot. And people will say, okay, what? you know what? He wasn't making the fight. Danny was making the fight. You got to give Danny the rounds. To a degree, I understand that. But he was able to do that as he chose. He dictated when it was time to box or run, if you want to call it. And later on, when it was time to fight. Danny Garcia did not dictate at any given point in the fight what kind of fight they were going to fight. Lamont Peterson dictated the kind of fight they were going to have from round 1 to 12. In the beginning, Lamont Peterson said, we're going to move around. We're going to box a little bit. We're going to box. Maybe we're going to even be on the on the borderline of running. You know, Some people said he needed his track shoes. I understand that. I understand that. But it was preventing Garcia from being very effective early on as well. At a certain point in the fight, Lamont Peterson said, now we're going to fight. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you know what? There was nothing Danny Garcia could do about it. When it was time Lamont Peterson wanted to fight... Danny could go nowhere. It was time to fight, and Lamont was going to force that fight on him. Now, here's what I'm saying. He was bossing the pace of the fight from round 1 to 12. When he wanted to run around, Garcia couldn't stop him. Garcia didn't cut the ring off. He didn't know how to cut the ring off. Lamont Peterson had his way around the ring, chose to move around. As a matter of fact, when Garcia stepped back and raised his gloves in the air, kind of to let him know, like, hey, man, are you going to fight or not? I looked at it as a sign of frustration because I said, this guy can't get this other guy to fight his fight. You don't just put your hands up and say, whatever, stop running. You, if you know what you're doing in there at that moment, you have to cut the ring off and force that guy to fight. Because the ring is square. It's not a soccer field. It's square. You know, there's not a lot of room in there. And it wasn't that big. Yeah, and it wasn't that big. So, going back to my point, later in the fight, Lamont Peterson said, let's bang it out. And Danny kind of was getting tired. He wanted to move around. He wanted to get away. But you know the difference with Lamont Peterson's pressure and Danny Garcia's pressure? Lamont Peterson knew how to cut the ring off. So you know what happened when Lamont Peterson cut the ring off? He forced Danny to fight when he didn't want to fight. So again, dictated the pace once again from a different perspective. In the beginning, he was going to box. Maybe he'd call it running. At the end, he was going to bang. Call it fighting, whatever. He was the boss of the pace of that fight from round 1 through round 12. He dictated the way it went. And for me... When you are bossing the way a fight is fought, that is a big criteria for me in a judging panel. Now, I'm not saying it's 100% right. This is the kind of fight that's very subjective. There are fights where I don't agree with people, and they'll give me a perspective, and I'll be like, you really don't know what you're talking about. You really should watch ping pong instead of boxing. (laughs) This is not one of those fights. This is one of those fights where subjectivity is really a big example of it. I'll tell you what what else this brings up a topic of. Do you? This brings up another topic about the 10-9 scoring system. Is a round where nothing happened but Danny Garcia came forward worth just as much as a round where Lamont beat Danny up from pillar to post but didn't get a knockdown? This is another thing about the subjectivity of the 10-9 scoring system but the flaws in the 10-9, in the 10-9 scoring system because Lamont's damage in the late rounds were a lot more 
that he did to Danny were a lot more than what Danny was able to do to him in the early rounds. So do you should it be scored the same way? Should you get the same amount of credit for scoring the early rounds for Danny in, in rounds where nothing was really going on as opposed to late in the fight when Lamont was really, really teeing off on Danny? Are they should they each be worth 10 9? You know, that and that's kind of a flaw in the in the in the in the scoring system, possibly. It gives you an argument to to give as far as uh do we change the scoring system? Do we adjust the scoring system? You know, boxing is so hard to score it is at times. And the scoring system can be flawed, but is there any better way to do it? I don't even know. I t- I'm telling you, I don't even know how, you know, uh, what the answer to that is. You know, maybe you guys uh, at home have a have a couple of ideas of, uh, uh, about the, the possibility of adjusting the scoring system. Because I don't think you should change it, but maybe some kind of adjustments. Maybe giving 10-8 rounds more freely than just knockdowns. And maybe a, 10, uh, maybe a knockdown starts at 10-7 instead of 10-8. You know, possibly, possibly not. You know, there's a, there's a subjectivity to it. But um, I think Garcia versus Peterson really gave us another example of the fact that maybe you need to adjust the way rounds are scored just a little bit. And, and because... The way Lamont was winning his rounds was a lot more dominant than the way Danny Garcia was winning his rounds, regardless of who you think won the fight. I wouldn't mind in those early rounds maybe somebody throwing in a 10-10 there because you know what? What yeah. Danny was doing wasn't so dominant, even though he, he and, was given credit for and, those and, rounds. And, and you know what? You know what? That's why I love you. You think of this shit. That's why I love you. Wolf of Wall Street right there, folks. But anyway, so, so <laughs> yeah. Because no. Lamont... Like I said, Danny wasn't stopping Lamont from that movement. Yeah, no, 100%. And people think, you know what, 10, 10 rounds, you, you know, you just can't make up your mind. That's a wimp's way out. No, for you nerd judges, that's not a wimp's way out, all right? Maybe for you nerd judges, you think that's a wimp's way out. But you don't punish one fighter because you can't make up your mind who won the fight. Right. Okay, or you won the round, okay? If you can't make up your mind... Make it a 10-10 round. All right? If it's that close and you can't figure it out, make it a 10-10 round. One guy shouldn't be punished because you can't figure out what's wrong, what's going on in that ring. And you know what? Maybe if you can't figure out what's going on in that ring, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't know what you're watching. Although at times it does. But it doesn't always necessarily mean you don't know what you're watching. Sometimes you really can't tell them apart in certain particular rounds. So what's the problem with a 10-10 round? Why should one guy be punished because you can't tell them apart? Because in a fight like Garcia-Peterson... It ends up making a difference in the long term. In the final scorecard, it's possible that makes a difference, you know? So so I believe 10-10 rounds should be more freely given as well. Good point, Peter Cards, I think a.k.a. About, Petey Podcasts. <laughs> I think oh, about, that's why um, I love you, because you think of this shit. I think about, like, Max Kellerman. I disagree with him a lot of times <laughs> on, on many levels when it comes to boxing, right? Mm-hmm. But he said, and, and I agree with him on this, the way he scores a round is when that bell rings, going back to the corner, who would he rather be at the end of that round, yeah. right? Well, but but now think to. about it this way, right? Mm-hmm. In this particular fight, mm-hmm. you're giving the rounds to Danny. I wouldn't mind being Lamont in that yeah. in those rounds because mentally he's looking at it like he didn't touch me that round, yeah. but they're giving it to him. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like even that even that kind of thing is is subjective, you know? Because if you look at uh. Algeria versus Provodnikov. I mean, Chris had his eye closed in round one, and then, and then he pretty much had his way after 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 the fight. After that round, yeah, you would want to be Provodnikov after that round. After that round, you want to be Algeria. No, after after Algeria was down him twice in round one, and then he pretty much dominated the rest no, of the fight. After after that round, 
you want to be Provodnikov. Yes. After the next round. But that's not hard to tell those rounds. No, but that's what I'm saying. But in the in this but situation. But the reason that fight was controversial in some people's eyes is because they were scoring the, the closed eye. That's what I'm saying is you don't want to be. Do it, if you do it round by round, mm-hmm. if they're every round, mm-hmm. the fighter goes back to the corner. You yeah. see Lamont looking at Danny like staring at him. Yeah, of course. You want to be Lamont most of the rounds. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then especially 8, 9, 10. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be know. Lamont. Yeah, I know, but I, I don't know. I, I, that that I don't. You know what? I don't always agree with you, kid. <laughs> sorry. What do you guys sorry. what do you guys think about if they actually could see the scoring you're a fighter? No, I don't I don't no. like that either because it's going to set up a track meet late in the fight if somebody's way ahead. You know, unfortunately, you can't even give the the scores as they're going because otherwise one guy's going to try to protect his lead. I think the whole phenomenon about the late rounds is and the fatigue in the fighters, but yet the desire to still win. And so th- yeah, that right. will make you take chances. If you know the scorecards and you're way ahead, and you've just, the, the drama has just el- been eliminated from late rounds. Yeah, know? like for example, they would do it after the fourth and after the eighth. Yeah. So if like they that. just came out and said, Seth Neiman, Neiman up 80 to. 72 or whatever. I'm on my bicycle. <laughs> You're yeah, out of there. No matter what, and you now lose unless you get stopped or unless you yeah. get dropped a bunch of times in the late rounds. I know I'm down eight, eight rounds to none. I got to come out to you guns blazing you know, and you're like... It eliminates the character in a fighter, you know, because you re- it, boxing re- one of the reasons boxing reveals character is when you're tired, you don't know if the fight's up for grabs or not, you'll still go take those chances because victory means everything. So your character... Is, is is on full display for the public to see. But if you know your way ahead, you know, you can take no chances. We won't get to see that character outside of you. And you wouldn't be wrong for not taking any chances, you know, even if you get criticized. And so I think it's just, it leaves too many question marks up in the air uh, for open scoring. Unfortunately, um, you can't, I don't think open scoring is the answer either, unfortunately. You know, You're, I wish it was, but unfortunately, I don't think it is. You mentioned uh, De La Hoya Trinidad uh, a couple podcasts ago, and it reminded me of that fight because De La Hoya got on his bike the last three yeah. rounds because he was way and he, we all yeah. thought he was way ahead, too. Yeah. And the boxing fan thought he had the fight won, and yeah. then they gave it to Trinidad. So mm-hmm. it just reminded me of that. Maybe if he saw the scorecards. Yeah. Oh, that would have like been that. one of those positives yeah. that maybe the other way around, of course. But then there's also the times where, you know, no, I agree with a you. Fighter, uh, the fight might be close, but one of the judges are not watching the same fight. The fight, you know. How do they become? Judges when they they miss fights. I don't fights know. So badly. Unfortunately, uh, I think, uh, and, and you know, we only uh, here's the thing: we only mention the judges when they miss call fights. There's a lot of great calls the judges give us. You know, we, we don't give them any credit when they call out call good fights and the fights are close, but they make they get the right guy and he won. You know, we only criticize them when the when the when when they make mistakes. And uh, you know, we got to give credit to the judges when when they're right when they do the right thing but you know here's the problem when they do the right thing it's like we just expect it from them we don't give them any credit it's their job yeah it's their job but at the same time not all fights are easy to score at the same time yeah they're they're open for they're open for being way off though yeah Yeah, Gail Van Hoy when I fought Juan Diaz Tom Shrek, they got him out of the special ed class, and then they gave him a, and they let him work, work a championship fight. It was like a, a very generous moment in the, in the, by the New York State Athletic Commission, and they, they, they decided they'd pick one random uh, raffle ticket um, out of the special ed class to, 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 to judge a world championship fight and give him a special night out on the town, and it would turn out to be Tom Shrek, and you look, no good deed goes unpunished. You see what happens. You let that guy go judge me versus Broner and see what happens. So, you know, unfortunately, it's not always... Uh, it's not always uh, that they get it right, and and, and sure, certainly they get it uh, 
sometimes they're too wide or sometimes they're too close uh, at the end of the day. Well, okay, Those guys do deserve Gail to be. Gail Hoy was, you know, I, in yeah. my opinion, was just blatant. No, he was blatant. Criminal. He was you know. blatant. He told, he told my lawyer the night before, two nights before the fight, you know, that you're he told my lawyer at the time, John Hornor, he actually had a conversation and he said, your boy is giving us all these problems, calling us out on all these problems. He's just going to get his ass kicked and go home on Saturday night. He goes, that's all that's going to happen. That's all that's going to happen. That's what people don't know about. <laughs> people don't know about it. Gail Van Hoy actually spoke, my lawyer actually spoke, saw Gail Van Hoy in the hotel the week before, the week of that fight. So Gail Van Hoy had already had it in his mind what was going to happen to me. You know what I mean? And so when the fight happened the way it happened, Gail Van Hoy didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to see it. He just scored the fight his way and that's it because he wanted me to get my ass kicked and go home and never to be seen again. Unfortunately for good old Gail, I'm way more relevant in 2015 than he is. Good old Gail, <laughs> my man. <laughs> go do you, Gail. Go do you. And Dickie Cole. That winner, too. You're listening to former two-time world champion Paulie Malinashi from Brooklyn to the world. Baseball season is here, and there's never been a better time to check out DraftKings.com, America's favorite daily fantasy baseball site where you can win huge cash prizes every day. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, no slogging through a long season to collect your winnings, just instant cash instant gratification it's like a new season every time you play simply pick two pitchers and eight position players stay under the salary cap and you could be on your way to a massive payday in fact DraftKings has already crowned over a dozen millionaires hundreds of fantasy sports fans just like you have cashed in at DraftKings now it's your turn hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code PAULIEM P-A-U-L-I-E-M at DraftKings.com DraftKings.com that's DraftKings.com Introducing Pauly. Pauly Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. Malinaji. This is Pauly Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. I gotta say though, Texas are those. Just put on a lot of fights. They do have some awesome boxing no, fans do. in Texas. They, they got do. some awesome boxing fans in Texas. The fans are really passionate. It's a, I mean, out of all the states they I've bring gone up to, a lot of fighters, worked, worked in boxing. venues. Yeah. yeah, the venues. I mean, the venues are also unbelievable, but the fans are so passionate. Them and California fans are probably mm-hmm. the top ones. The Carson, you know? those fights yeah. in Carson? Yeah, those yeah, fights yeah. in Carson and, and, and anywhere in L.A., you know, great, great California boxing fans. But Texas takes a kick just by a little bit. I'd say it's close between Texas and California as far as the best boxing fans in the United States, but uh, Texas takes a kick, bro. I mean, they fill out for club fights, bro. Like, they fill out like 5,000 seats for a club fight. Wow. And you're like, that in New York, you probably wouldn't fill out a, a classroom for the, with no, the kind of fight that absolutely. they fill out in Texas for a club. And I'm like, these people are amazing. They just love their boxing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a quite amazing. And a big shout Very out to Texas passionate. and their fans. Big shout out to Cali of California boxing fans and their fans. Big shout out to all boxing fans. But those two states really, <laughs> for me, take the cake as far as uh, really wonderful, uh, uh, emotional, ecstatic boxing fans. And they give a great atmosphere. Although Barclays Center Saturday night was... A very passionate atmosphere. Uh, the late rounds in the Garcia versus Peterson fight were uh, super, super exciting. The crowd was so loud. They were so into it. Uh, and the fighters gave it their all in the championship rounds. And uh, they both knew a lot was on the line. Uh, they gave us the guts and glory. Um, congratulations to Danny Garcia for winning that fight. But uh, Lamont Peterson certainly, not only did he not lose any fans, I think he made a lot of fans. Uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. Um, it's a lot of talk about AB versus Danny Garcia later in the year. Possibly, possibly not. Speaking um, of which. You know, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Uh, the, it's exciting <laughs> times for boxing. I mean, every week we're talking about a big fight card. It's pretty cool. 
I was checking your Twitter after the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking about you and Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we I mean, go we, we go way back with Danny, and like Danny's like a, a friend of ours. And a lot of people want you guys to fight. Yeah. He's a friend uh, of ours, like Danny Brasco. It's saying Danny yeah. Brasco. He's a friend of ours. He's a friend of ours. Yeah. You know, friend of mine, friend of ours. Yes. Well, what do I call you? You just keep your mouth shut about me. Yeah. <laughs> and get yourself Danny a pair Bra- of pants. A couple of Danny Brasco quotes for anybody. Get yourself a pair of pants. I'm like a rat, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so a, anyway, so yeah, a Danny's a friend of ours. Uh, um, competition is competition you know I think stylistically it'd be a good fight but you know what you know I, I don't expect people to kind of be uh, knocking down the door so I want to see that fight because you know I'm coming off the loss I haven't fought in a year people don't know the way I've been looking in the gym uh, I've, I've been feeling pretty sharp uh, I've been sparring I know the way you've been looking I've been sparring uh, young prospect phenom Saddam Ali who's looking great as well uh, check him out Saddam Ali check him out big fighting shot in Saddam the garden. Ali uh, and you know what? I gotta make an announcement right now. You know, Saddam and his team asked me to be in the corner for this yep, fight. That's so, right, folks. You're gonna oh, see cool. me in Saddam Ali's corner on August 20th, uh, April 25th. It doesn't mean that I'm I've now become a trainer because I'm not a Absolutely trainer and I'm not. not replacing Saddam's trainers. I'm just gonna be a face in the corner, just to uh, you know keep Saddam. You're gonna be doing my job. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the spit bucket guy, you know? Yeah. But just uh, to, uh, you know, give support to Saddam. So, I know I know Saddam, at least he's 10 years old. So, you know, I literally, I, the first time I met the kid, he was 10 years old. He was at, at a amateur, he was fighting an amateur boxing match. He, Wasn't was he like, younger was this little that? kid? No, nah, maybe nine, nine, ten. It was around then. Because I didn't start boxing since 97, and he's mm-hmm. born in 88. So, I know, he was, um, he was, uh, Fight an amateur fight, a little kid, you know, the gloves bigger than him, and uh, you know, I remember he's, he was this little kid trying to imitate <laughs> Prince Nassim Ahmed, you know, and it was funny, and uh, you know, I met him and his father after the fight and uh, and whatnot, but uh, you know, so I've known him ever since, and uh, you know, he's grown up to be a a good young uh, a, a good young man and uh, a really really good fighter. Uh, obviously, he represented the U.S. in the Olympics in 2008. First and Yemen to ever do so. First right? Arab American in Arab American to, to ever do so, and so you know, he's he's made strides, and now uh, you know he's fighting on HBO. It, it, I tell you, first and foremost, it makes me feel old. That's what it makes me feel. <laughs> it makes me feel old that that same little kid that I was watching is now a full-grown man fighting uh, big fights on HBO. But it also makes you feel proud. I mean, oh, yeah. we watched this kid grow yeah. up. I remember him. That's awesome. Yeah. Is on the Klitschko card? Yeah. On the Klitschko the the main event. Yeah, oh, on the wow. Klitschko card, yeah. He's opening, awesome. he's opening up a television for uh, Vladimir Klitschko on uh, uh, April 25th. So, uh, big shout-out to Saddam. He's looking good in the gym. Uh, I've, been working, I've been working with him, uh, sparring with him. Uh, his team's great guys. Uh, uh, his great support system from his family and whatnot. And uh, anyway, so I've been sparring with him, and uh, you know, I've been, I've, I feel good. I've been feel good in sparring. You know, uh, it's high quality sparring for me. It's uh, high quality sparring for Saddam, and I think uh, he'll be ready next week. But at the same time, you know, it's getting me in shape as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, I certainly uh, I've been looking for a fight for everybody out there. You know, I get a lot of tweets about. People, you know, want to know when I'm fighting again or if I'm fighting again. I, I, you know, I'm leaning more towards the yes than the no. Uh, it's just a matter of getting a fight. Um, and sure, I, you know what, Garcia, uh, Broner, even rematch. You know, all these guys. I'm, 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 I'm very cool with them. Even me and AB. You know, we have a, we have a good relationship now. We have a good rapport. Uh, I know a lot of you people aren't real fans of AB, but if you actually get to know AB, he's actually a real dude. And um, I was tweeting with him <laughs> on the way here. I was telling yeah. him we were coming to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's it's uh, he's one of just one of those guys that has a, a good shtick, and uh, a good shtick sells. You know, that's why you people have a very big opinion of him, whether it's uh, you love him or you hate him. But at the end of the day. Uh, AB versus Garcia, um, it's possible. Uh, 
If not, I would surely love to get one of those guys. But I think both those both those guys being on a winning streak and me not, I think I'll probably have to take a lesser fight first. And uh, maybe at the end of the day, I'll get the winner of the winner of uh, of Garcia and AB. And if I can get a solid win in between that, if not, hey, then you know what. Call it a wrap, and uh, you know we'll keep doing podcasts with you, great people out there, and uh, keep commentating. I think that's that's not going to stop. I enjoy doing this, and I enjoy uh, podcasts. I enjoy working on television, and uh, I'm I'm actually looking to break into a little bit of radio as well. So you know you're going to see me and hear me for years to come. But um, you know sometimes a piece of me still doesn't feel like. I want to be away from the ring totally, and it's not about the money. People always tell me, you know what? My friends always tell me, even Crazy PD podcast over here tells me, you know what? You made your money already. Why do you need to fight again? It's not always about the money. Obviously, it's always about the money, but it's not always about the main reason being the money. Uh, sometimes you just want to test yourself, and it's like, for me, I'm the kind of person that, what's the use of being alive if you can't test yourself? You know what I mean? I might as well be dead if I can't test myself in some way, shape, or form. And, and as much as I love broadcasting, it just doesn't test me the same way as combat and uh, against some of the best fighters in the world. And uh, life is about living. Life is about experiences. You know, um, I sometimes. Like a couple weeks ago, I was watching the Kell Brook fight against Joe Jordan, and I was like, man, I was like, look at those ring entrances. That's amazing. And I started thinking to myself, man, I would, I would, I would fight Kell Brook possibly even in England, you know, just to have, feel that, you know, because I know how much the British fans love me out there, and it would be some atmosphere if I fought Kell Brook. But obviously, I would have to earn the shot first. But regardless, and, and, you know, I got people saying, why would you need to fight a dangerous guy like that? You know, you've made your money and whatnot. Again, Life is about experiences, the experiences, and just getting to walk that ring walk in this huge fight, in this huge arena, in, in a, this big atmosphere, and then being a part of something so big, you know? Yeah, it's about winning and losing. Obviously, you always want to win. You're competing, and, and you know what? I always train to win all my fights uh, if I can do it, but... <laughs> When I'm older, I, I want to be able to look back and say, wow, what an experience I had. What experiences that I had. And so uh, I think it's the experiences that really um, push me to and motivate me to, to want to keep going. And uh, we'll see. I might I might keep going. I might not. But um, should know, should, we should know really soon. So everybody has to stay tuned and tune in. But you know what? I think, <clears throat> I think that's part of... Part of where you, you, most of your fan base comes in. I think... You know, everyone has haters. I mean, if Floyd's going to have haters, everybody's going to have haters. But a lot of the tweets and all the all the fans that we that approach us when we're out, mm-hmm. I think ma- mainly the big thing is, Paulie, you never ducked anybody, man. Paulie, you're the you're the realest dude out there, man. Wow, you know, when are we going to see you again? When are we going to see you again? I, honestly, for all you fans out there, I think you already know, but I'll tell you firsthand, he is the most competitive person. I've ever been around in my entire life. We could play FIFA on PlayStation, and this kid will call me every name in the book. <laughs> he'll he'll curse me up and down because I beat him. Or it doesn't if happen that often. He doesn't beat me that often. If it's a draw, or even if he beat me by one, he he said he should have beat me by three. That he hit two post. <laughs> it's just the competitive nature is on every level. We play a pickup game of soccer with friends and. He should have had more goals than me, or he, he, you know, he didn't have goals because he wore this pair of cleats and his foot wasn't feeling right. It, it's just he has to be the best, and he has no problem working at it. I literally have traveled the world with this man and been all over the world and watch him work and go out in front of thousands, thousands, millions of people and watch him perform and 
mostly win, obviously. He only has a handful of losses, but you literally watch him compete, and there's no fear ever. And I've watched him knowingly go into fights with one hand, knowingly, and the world didn't know that. Uh, Fighting Miguel Cotto when Miguel Cotto was in his prime, you know, fight 10 rounds with a broken orbit bone, and, you know, fights like that. I mean, uh, the competitive level that, that... comes out of him is just it's second to none that I've seen I mean I'm sure there's guys out there like Floyd that you know they say Floyd is you know it's impossible to beat him because he doesn't believe he can be beat and I feel that's what you need but um I I've had conversations with Paulie you know we've had these conversations where I, you know after a lot of a few losses we've had the conversation but definitely after Porter I said listen you know what are you going to do this for what do you why do you got to keep going you got houses here, you got houses there, you got cars, you got jewelry, you got money. But it's like it's like your kid when they tell you they want an earring. You know, no, no, you you don't you don't need an earring. No, you don't need an earring. Then they keep going about it, and uh, you finally you say, you know, all right, uh, you're gonna get an earring regardless. So I better I better just uh, get you one or let you have one. So I'm like, all right, you're gonna fight with with or without me. So I guess I'm on board. You know, you wouldn't fight without Pete. Come on. Well. Oh. Listen, oh. he's a grown, he's a grown boy, so he, I gotta just make the decision. Uh, I'm with him or not, you know. Yeah, Pete's a grown man, so you know he's. Well, no, you're the grown man. I gotta make a decision <laughs> <laughs> to be with you. Pete wants to be around or not, you know. It's up to him, you know. But uh, obviously, Pete is always invited in the corner, and you guys have seen him for many years. Anyway, let's go back to the order of affairs. You know, we got off the. Let's get off the. Paulie's great. Uh, tip right now you know <laughs> I know I, I, I love the adulation and I love the good stuff but you know what come on that's what you guys you guys don't want to hear this shit I'm great too so, by uh, the way Seth is let's great let's talk about talk about Mayweather and Pacquiao you know, because this week is the is the um, the public workouts I think today is Floyd's and tomorrow is Manny's so it's gonna be a lot of hype coming out by the time this podcast gets released on Friday I'm sure there'll be a lot more opinions about uh, the two fighters and where they're at in camp because of the public workouts. Now, before you guys even see any of these videos, or by the time you guys listen to this, you will have seen the videos, keep in mind the public workout is just you're getting the bare minimums. <laughs> the fighters are showing almost nothing. They're, they're showing what they want to show you, they sh- what they don't want you to see. I have a feeling what you're they, setting this up for something. What they don't, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> what they don't want you to see, they won't let you see. So, I, I you know, you know, Maybe they'll show you some flashy pad work, and you'll be like, "Oh my God, he's he's sharp!" No, it doesn't really matter because whatever he's really got up his sleeve, he's not going to show you. You know, and that goes for both guys. You know, it's just uh, the bare essentials, um, a couple of flashy things just to uh, excite everybody. But other than that, you know, the the game plan is tight lipped. I'm sure on both sides, we can assume a lot of the game plans. I mean, we uh, we have assumed the game plans, and I feel like we you know all of us have a pretty good idea of of each fighter's game plan and what it should be. But of course, we can never know for sure until what it will be on fight night you know um and and they won't really let us know either you know so so you know the uh public workouts of today today's floyd mayweather's workout there's a lot of buzz going on about that tomorrow will be manny pacquiao's workout and there'll be a lot of buzz going on about that and uh you know keep that in mind when you guys see the videos and see the pictures it gets, it gets us all excited I'll, i mean i'm sure i'll be even more excited about may 2nd after these public workouts and what so on and so forth but uh, at day's end uh, is that a final? Juventus? Juventus one nothing over Monaco. Boom! No away goal. No home goal allowed. That, mean, that means we can tie nil-nil on the return. It's over Atletico Real. Nil-nil. That's a final as well. Did you take that game? I hit the draw. He hit the draw. Boom. That's my man Peter Cards hitting his uh, draw on uh, Atletico versus Real. Good call. Good call. That's how we do it. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So, the public workouts, um, um, you know, they're... Uh, 
they are what they are. They're for the entertainment and they get people hyped. But I, I, I'm going to look more for the, the quotes, you know, what they're going to say. Because I always get caught up in the trash talk and whatnot. And, you know, it's a chance for both fighters and their teams and their camps to get into get into each other's minds a little bit more with the trash talk and uh, talk about what they want to talk about. So I'm, I get more excited about that. Anytime you get to hear the camps talk and do interviews, I think that's more of a, more exciting for me. Because the public workouts are going to be basic and generic and maybe a couple of flashy things, like I said, just to get you guys excited. But the quotes are going to be funny. So I can't wait to see the quotes and see what everybody says. And that's my rant about uh, the public workouts. You know, the fight's almost two weeks away, bro. Fight's almost two weeks away. I got another uh, offer this week to work uh, fight week from uh, Fox Sports 1 just to cover the fights. Um, obviously, Fox Sports 1 is not televising the fight, but, you know, on-site coverage for a whole, the whole week. Every network has their on-site coverage. So, so far, I've been offered BBC Radio from the UK has offered to give me a job. Great guys over there. Uh, you know, uh... They've been uh, always been good to me. I worked a couple of fights uh, over with uh, Mike, Cost- uh, Mike Costello, who does the play-by-play in uh, BBC. And then uh, Adam Smith from Sky has also hit me up, <coughs> hit up my guys, and also has wanted to know my interest in working the fight uh, and also the fight week coverage. So I, either way, I, I'll have a chance to work the actual fight and fight week coverage. But uh, my boss, Steven Espinosa at Showtime, assured me that, uh, you know what, they will have me at the host desk for the pay-per-view and not to take any other jobs because they are taking me on the American broadcast. Even if the word or the rumor is HBO has not been fond of me and they have not wanted me to work with them. Oh, poor guys. They, well, just, know, they just don't know you that well. Nah, they know me. They, they know, know all too well. <laughs> Unfortunately, HBO, uh, HBO the, guy, the guys at HBO don't know that. I, I know that they've... Was fished around and seen my interest in working for them, which I'm staying at Showtime. Sorry, guys. So we could get them. Uh, we could get them a Wamburger and some yeah. French fries. Yeah, but anyway. So regardless of the fact, though, <laughs> I, I've been uh, I've been assured by my boss that uh, uh, Stephen that uh, I will be at the host desk with James Brown for uh, the, the pay per view, which is cool. And and so he said, don't take any of the jobs with Sky or BBC. So I've got a watch yourself. Yeah. So James I've got a. Brown. Not that James Brown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's gonna be uh, come on, dude. So, so it's gonna be uh, uh Sky. Uh, I'll probably do some fight week coverage for Sky, so the UK fans can check me out um all week on uh, Sky uh from the site from Las Vegas. So I'll do some fight week coverage for them. So it's not the, it's not the actual fight. And if I can balance it out, I'll also do some fight week coverage for uh, Fox Sports One here in the US. So. I literally am going to have a full schedule on Fight Week in Vegas. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to try to work as much as I can with as many networks as I can. But on Fight Night, the American uh, broadcast will get me. And it'll be on the uh, at the desk, at the host desk for the pay-per-view. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a great fight. Hopefully, it'll be a great broadcast. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, even if it's a really busy week, it's one of those weeks where you don't mind working because it'll be so exciting. You're listening to former two-time world champion, Paulie Malinaji. From Brooklyn to the world. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Introducing Pauly. Pauly Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. Malinaji. This is Pauly Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. And you know what? Dude, what's going on? You still haven't made up your mind about if you're coming or not, bro. I mean... Made up my mind. I'd rather hang myself. 
What are you what are you talking about, dude? He's always he always asks me to go with him. What you, how do you rather hang? You know how many people want to go to this fight, dude? How I many rather, people want to be at this fight? How many people want to be rather, What do you mean you rather hang yourself? Where you go? Where do you come up with this stuff? I, what did I tell you to, to to run across Sixth Avenue while while you have a don't walk signal? I rather watch my mother get jumped by Bloods and Crips initiation style. Initiation that, style. Yeah, then go. Like, then be in Vegas for the then fight. Then be in Vegas. Folks, are you kidding Mayweather me? Everybody week. out there, tweet this man at Peter Cards and it's ask insane. him if there's something wrong with him. It's yeah, insane. He's he's got a chance to come to the fight for free, for free <laughs> to be at the fight, and he'd rather have a fight party in Brooklyn at his house with and just invite s- friends over. With my 65 inch TV. <laughs> are you serious, dude? Sangria, champagne, and he tells me I, I'm crazy. Every fight. Last time I went, I, I think it was. When did we go? We had the press conference with with Broner. Yeah, maybe with the Guerrero. Yeah. Guerrero. Me and his brother was sitting. There, I was like, "Oh man!" I'm like, "Why is Why is Guerrero so close to Floyd? The fight didn't even start yet." His brother's like, "No, that's Little Wayne." I was like, "Oh." I was so far back. I'm like, "What? The, like, <laughs> what are we doing here?" That doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be far back. Are you kidding me? I would rather hang myself. You gotta hang yourself. That's a little, that's a little much. Yeah, it's a little no, extreme. I said, I mean, come on, dude. Uh, you, even the Las Vegas, uh, the ambiance in in the city in the that's MGM the Grand. problem. What do you mean that's, that's the, problem? the problem? What's the problem? Everybody walking around, oh, dude. You're so cool. You got a TMT hat on. Oh, look at you. You're part of Mayweather's team. No, you're not, dipshit. You paid forty dollars for that hat, and you're a retard. That's what that's what happened. Really. Come on. You're dude. a moron. Oh, TBE. You're TBE too. So that you're not going to take the ambiance, even the, the between the the Filipino followers. No, because you know and, what? And, Honestly, and you know the, what I would and, go and for. The, and the Mayweather You know fans, what I would want to go so for. Much you know what I would want to go for. I would want to go and hopefully see Pacquiao's mother, and I would do back to her what she was doing, like the little crazy. <laughs> the you crazy, would do back to. I would try to do it back to her and see. <laughs> what if, do you mean? Like you would try to like reverse the spell? She, yeah, the spell that she was throwing on everybody. Like would she just, do it back to. Her? I would try to do it to her, and then if she didn't see me, I would try to trip her when she walked through the yeah. hallway. You think like uh, Pacquiao's father was a big guy? No, he's not a big guy. You Be- see him because pa- I've seen Pacquiao's mother. She's about three foot five. No joke. She's maybe yeah. four feet. And he's tall. about five foot five. Is the father? No, because I was looking at that you article about how genetically Pacquiao is. You know, he's supposed to be this big welterweight because you know genetically he has bigger bones and he's a big guy genetically, mm-hmm. according what? to that one that one scientist that everybody sent me this article about. This one scientist who said that Pacquiao, yeah, who's, no, but he said that Pacquiao has like his bigger room to grow because his bones are big and everything is big. So I just wanted to know like. You know, most guys from that part of the world are not very big. Most men, you know, most men are, you know, Pacquiao's father, you said 5'5", five, five, he's Pacquiao's 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, it's about average height, I think, for that part of the world. My curiosity was, where would these genetics come from? If he's supposed to be this big guy that, you know what, he's, he wasn't really a featherweight or a bantamweight. He was just malnutrit- malnourished, which I don't believe. I know world champion is malnourished, okay? I don't care what part of the world you're in. Malnourished? <laughs> would they take apart his body? I yeah. mean, how do you... Yeah. How but do you I want to know, like, where... Genetically, you know, you get your genetics from somewhere. So, where's his genetics from? Where Where is the, the big bone, big guy? I don't understand. Was the milk... Oh, the milkman was his really his father, and he was probably from is? somewhere is that else. It's gotta be. He was probably or maybe a the mother was did the voodoo on the milkman and then she got him to. Oh nah, wow! Nah, nah, nah. All right, all right. You know what? We're taking too far. We're taking the joke too far. But in reality, in reality, ask yourselves that: if Pacquiao's genetically supposed to be this big, who did he take after? He does have big hands. Does he? You think he has a big horn? 
Come on, dude. Oh, yeah, I got more. I got, you think I'm one? That's what I want to wonder right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Who's on the undercard for that fight? Um, I know Lomachenko's Pro- on the undercard. Probably me and Blue Boy. I know I'm Lomachenko's like on the other undercard. I heard uh, uh, a. I heard Santa, I heard Santa Cruz is on the undercard. Oh, I just saw that too. I don't have. A, I don't think he has an opponent though. Um, <laughs> that's, I would love that's, to <laughs> that sounds entertaining he doesn't have an opponent yet <laughs> yeah I know who's he fighting me I know yeah, you'll never make that way dude. a last, last minute opponent probably unfortunately Hopefully you'll fight not. my leg it would be great if he was fighting <laughs> Abner I mean Abner and and, and, uh, that would and be Santa awesome Cruz fight. on the Mayweather card would be tremendous but I just somehow I doubt it we'll, we'll see what what ends up happening so Peter calls we're not gonna see you in Vegas absolutely not for the fight mood You're not, no, there's no chance of you changing your I mind I have about Roughly about forty people coming to the house, so you can't cancel that party. No, no way. No. It's like a it's a holiday at the house. Come on, you know. Come you on. already know. We send you we send you pictures of everybody going crazy. The fridge is full. But champagne. this is one of those nights where you're gonna want to say, "Where were you on this night?" I and you're gonna home. say you were in your house Absolutely. when you could have been in Vegas. You don't want to look back on this fight and say, "I was there, dude. I was there. I saw it happen live." No. No. Absolutely not. All right. <laughs> I was in my house cheering. And I said, I'm going to take a sip of champagne for every counter right hand that Floyd lands. So this way, I'll probably be plastered by like the fifth round. <laughs> really? <laughs> you think it's going to be that many early on? I'm I don't probably think it's going to be that many early on. I think early on it's going to be defensive. By the fifth or sixth round, I'm going to be loaded. Between uppercuts and straight right hands, wow. I'm going to be done. Wow. Well, I guess we know who Peter Carter thinks is going to win the fight. So, pretty so, obvious. Well, so, folks out there, if you were hoping to see Peter Cards in Vegas, if you're hoping to meet the guy, sorry to let you guys AKA down. PD Podcast, the legend. Unfortunately, you can see have me to at wait. Barclays every you're time. Though to, we did see him at Barclays. That's a fact. You, you know what? Barclays, a lot of the fans, a lot of our fans, would air love the podcast. We did see, yeah, well, they're not going to see you in me. Vegas. You're not a West Coast thing. You're not just. You just don't do the West Coast. When huh? you fight, I'm there. Is that what it is? All right. So hopefully, uh, for those West Coast fans that want to meet PD Podcast. Peter Cards, a.k.a. main name at Peter Cards. I guess uh, you're going to have to wait until uh, till I fight on the West Coast. Right. Because he's not going to make any trips on the West Coast. I travel, otherwise. I travel the world for you, but not for anybody else, kid. They're not so, that important. But if you're on the East Coast, you can catch him at these big Barclays fights. Peter Cards was at Barclays for this past various, week against PBC. Various strip clubs. And so yeah, I, heard you, I heard you... Uh, I heard you... You came across Fabulous this weekend. Oh, what Fabulous happened? was there. Yeah, Fabulous yeah, the yeah. rapper, right? Yeah, yeah. For those of you that don't uh, know, uh, Fab- last time Fabo. we saw him, um, it's funny about Fabulous. He's a big, big time rapper. Um, Fabulous. Last Fabo-less. time we saw uh, Fabo. Yeah, F A B O. Um, <clears throat> with the lituation. Yeah. Um, sounds sounds like you had a lituation with Fabo. Nah, he didn't. He didn't even really hear me. He was dead to the world. But he's probably stoned. But um. He last time we saw him was at Rock Nation's opening, yeah, uh, at the theater, yeah. the Garden. He performed, yeah, and he had the Frank Lucas outfit. He did, he did. That jacket alone is probably like forty five grand. Sure, yeah. The hat's probably like ten. Yeah, and he had all this jewelry on. Come to find out, I didn't even know at the time. He owes Paulie's uh, auto body shop. They do like raps and they do uh, body work. Mm-hmm. He owes like a thousand dollars. Yeah, he owes, he, my, just, he owes my partner actually because he, my partner did the job from before I I, uh, I partnered up at that body shop. So he actually owes my partner a thousand dollars for some work uh, done to his car. So go ahead, Pete. These people the make you laugh. I didn't know this. So I'm like, oh, Fabo. No, no, people around you were yelling Fabo. No, and no. I'm saying the first time I didn't know this. Yeah. 
So now the other night I'm sitting there and he's walking in with this big security guard and he's walking. Everybody's like, oh, Fabo. I'm like, look at this deadbeat. I'm like, yeah, Fabo, pay your bills, deadbeat. You <laughs> <laughs> walk around with a chain that's a, the price of my house. <laughs> What'd you tell him? Yeah, all right, Frank Lucas. Yeah, I know, Frank Lucas, uh, pay your bills. <laughs> Do me a favor. Yeah, write a check, cuz. It's only a thousand. <laughs> he's, he's calling Fabo as a deadbeat out loud. Jesus Everybody's trying Christ. to get Fabo's attention. And this guy, hey, Fabo, hey, yeah, Fabo. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Fabo, write a check for a thousand, you deadbeat. <laughs> he's, telling, he's calling him a deadbeat out in the middle of public. My girl's all embarrassed. Why are you saying that? Because uh, he owes Paulie a thousand dollars? That's why. So, Fabo, if you're out there, pay, pay your up. Dude. Pay your debts. You fix your chip Frank, tooth. Fra- Frank, uh, Frank Kozlowski, a.k.a. Future Legend. <laughs> uh, you owe him a thousand dollars. do nice pay, work. Pay, 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 your, you, pay your pay, debts, pay, you deadbeat. Pay your debts. Pay the bill. We, we, we used to buy all your CDs. <laughs> yeah. Pay exactly. your debts. You, I you, buy you your have albums. a lituation, dude. Yeah, pay your debts. Seriously. Settle the lituation already. Seriously. That's, uh, Last week they asked me to christen this kid. Last week. Thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> I charge him. Put <laughs> him. Good fellas. <laughs> Oh man, guys! And for those of you out there, if you don't notice, once in a while we throw in some a couple of movie lines here. You just got to catch them. If you've seen the movies, you'll you'll know what we're saying. If you haven't seen the movies, we're imitating at times. You're probably gonna wonder what we're randomly saying. But if the movies that we're quoting you haven't seen, I don't know what rock you live under. Please get out of it. Gunner <laughs> Rock, how are you hearing this podcast? That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. That is impressive. All right, what are we? We're taking a break right now. No, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Is that it? We're out of time this week. I, I look, I'm looking forward to next week, though. This one went fast. Looking Wait, well, let's let's uh, before we wrap up, let's let's go to this week. What's fights are this week? We got fights. We got fights. We got Chavez week. versus Fafara. We got Matisse versus Provanico. Right. We got we got we got fights. We got fights. We're gonna review them next week. We're out of time this week. We'll review them next week. But uh, you know, obviously, Matisse Provanico is the fight everyone's been talking about. Fight of the year candidate. Um, you know, I'm gonna be working the Fafara Chavez fight. And you know what? I'll I be can't. Honest. I'm not gonna promote gambling, but just bet the under. Um, uh, Go ahead. Matisse from um, yeah. yeah, that's Peter's lock. Knockout. Don't know. He hit the lock today, which was the draw in Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. Good for you, Peter. Good. Boom. Good for you. So he's got another pay lock this wedding. week. Yeah, I got to pay for a wedding, guys. Come on. So, if you have so, any locks, send them this way too. I'll, I'll try so, you out. So um, we got a. Uh, and, and you know what, Chavez from far maybe is nobody's looking forward to it as much as Matisse Provodnikov. I think they're both going to be fun fights though, because styles make fights, and I think Chavez from far will also be a fun fight. And people are going to say, "Oh, you're just saying it because you're a Heyman puppet and you're working for Showtime." No, dude, I'm working for Showtime, so I can't watch Matisse Provodnikov anyway. And I, I will watch Matisse Provodnikov when I go off the air. But Chavez from far. Will be a pretty good fight. I mean, both guys are lacking in the defensive in the defensive department. Let's and you know it. what's going to happen before the fight? Chavez Junior is going to be like ba la 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 bamba because of my padre. Like you know the yeah. whole yeah because of your padre you don't get credit. Yeah, right. we already went over this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him any sympathy. Um, hopefully uh, it's a good fight. Uh, I think Chavez Fanfara will Chavez versus Fanfara will be a good fight. Hopefully, if Fanfara wins, though, he doesn't get robbed. I'm just gonna put it out there because this fight belonged to Chicago. Huge Mexican that. population, huge Polish population. I don't know why they put this fight in California aside from the fact that they wanted from far to have no support. So I'm not a fan of the fact that the fight is in California. This is a fight that should have been in the great city of Chicago, which is such a good breadbasket of, of different nationalities and a lot of Polish people, a lot of Mexican fighters, a lot of Mexican fans out there. This fight belonged in Chicago. I still cannot see why they made it in California aside from the fact that they wanted to give Chavez a bit of an advantage. Anyway, regardless, the action in the ring will be heated. It'll be fun, and I think it'll be a good fight. Matisse Provodnikov will also be a barn burner. Two huge punchers who 
lack in the defensive department. Should be fun as well. Uh, everybody enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll definitely review them next week on uh, Paulie Malinaji at Peter Cards. Brooklyn to the world. PD Podcast. Until next week. Sayonara. <laughs>